White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Red Echo, Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. Follow me on Twitter at Eckerwall23. Follow Chris Tannehill at Chris Tannehill. The show is at Locked On Sox. And while you're there, might as well subscribe to our YouTube channel at Locked On Sox and also on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's great features. Right now, I'm going to see the Sean Evans episode. Hello, Chris. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, Herbie. Uh, let's talk to us Tuesday. We're, we're inching closer to Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas to everyone out there listening to the show. We're, we're getting there, man. We're getting approaching the end of 2020. It's Talk to Us Tuesday, a short week for us. We'll be back tomorrow with the final episode of the week as they give us a little holiday breather here on the Locked On Podcast Network. But in this episode, Trevor Bowers got some words for White Sox fans. We'll listen to that. We'll take your questions from the mailbag and, of course, the newest segment that's sweeping the nation. That, of course, is Socks in the City. Um, so let's get started here. I mentioned Trevor Bauer. He's doing, you know, this guy, I've heard absolutely nothing about where he could possibly land in 2021. I hope the Sox are in the mix for him. They ought to be. They should be putting all their you know eggs in the 2021 basket while they have the Lance Lynn window here. Why not? Make yourself the best pitching staff in baseball. Leave nothing to chance, especially if Trevor wants a short-term deal. We don't know what he wants, what he doesn't want. But I can tell you one thing that he definitely wants is attention on social media, and he likes to have fun with it. I've I've not heard one rumor saying Trevor Bauer reportedly leaning towards Team X, uh, which so that bodes well for the White Sox in the interim. But he's doing a fun thing on, on social media where he's basically asking fans where he should play. And he's big. We talked about him before, but he's huge on boosting his YouTube subscribers just like we are. And he's he, he wants to go to a place, to a team that's going to help boost his – amplify his signal, so to speak, and and get his followers up, get his subscribers up. And he, lo- he loves fan interaction. And the White Sox fans have been showing out – Sending him memes, showing them, how, you know, showing Trevor how much Sox fans want him, and job well done by the White Sox fan base. And Trevor Bauer even uh, took to his YouTube page to compliment uh, the White Sox fans, although some of it backhanded. But here's what Trevor had to say about White Sox fans and their meme game. Another honorable mention goes out to the White Sox fan base. I love the look and feel of their pitches to me. They got some good Photoshop artists over there. They have some bad Photoshop artists over there, which I am a sucker for, but they have fallen off a little bit recently. They started off hot, but they've fallen off. For me, it's a three on consistency, a three on volume, but a seven on creativity for posts like this. They got the Step Brothers meme here, uh, Grandal and myself. Pretty good on that front. They got the bad Photoshop with my face looking the wrong way over a goat's head, and it looks like 
a White Sox hat that a goat has taken a bite out of, a World Series White Sox hat, nice subtle little touch. They got Tim Anderson and me as superheroes, so overall, pretty good pitches, but fallen off a bit recently, which is making me wonder if they really want me or not. Don't really know. Overall score, 13. So Trevor's playing the game right there, and mm-hmm. uh, and White Sox fans too, you, you're, on, you're on his radar. Now, if Rick Hahn and Jerry Reinsdorf and Kenny, if they're going to be on his radar financially, probably not. Um, but yeah, it's just a funny thing right there of the White Sox fans doing everything we can to make sure we're, we're noticed. The Sox fans are peacocking a little bit, and some of those memes were horrendous. The ones he was talking about with the goat head, just absolutely brutal. But I thought that was pretty funny from Trevor Bauer, and I'm enjoying every step of this free agency courting process. Yeah, he's having a real good time with it. He understands how to play the game, how to get his subscribers up by messing and playing with every fan's emotions of the teams that could possibly get him as a free agent pickup. But I think White Sox fans, why he said that we've uh, f- uh, fallen off lately is because we realize Jerry Reinsdorf and who he is. And to put a big commitment into a position of starting pitching, he's already th- thought he's done. He's like, oh, okay, you already, we already got the Lance Lynn guy. That thought that would solve out that Trevor Bauer garbage. We don't have to get that guy now, right? Cool. So that's what I think White Sox fans are realists. They're like, it's going to be really tough for Jerry Reinsdorf to do the thing that he probably has never done in his life, uh, be an outbidder of somebody, of the highest pitcher in the free agency market on and after he's already got a pitcher in an acquisition in this offseason. So I myself have pretty much marked off Trevor Bauer as a, a valid possibility. You know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, you know, I didn't think they were going to sign Yasmani Grandal to the deal that they did last year or Dallas Keuchel. So I hope he keeps on surprising me and proving me wrong. But my heart of hearts, and I think most White Sox heart of hearts, know that Trevor Bauer is not going to be in the South Side next year. Yeah, I have not heard any reports on what he wants. Like, you know, we it evolved from him wanting a short-term deal to maybe uh, maybe he would take, uh, you know, a, a deal for like three or four years because he knows the money will be, will be rectified on the back end. Because what we're seeing here with a lot of these contracts in the early going in 2020 is, you know, less money up front in the first year or two and then backloaded because no one knows what, what – they can expect in 2021 from a financial aspect like you know our stadium's going to be full probably not so we have to scale that back so it, it's weird i have not heard anything in terms of the contract language and it very well could just be that he's taking his time and his preparation doesn't change anyway and he's sort of like a, a mercenary and he's he's going to go to one place for a short term and he has no real it's not a, a, a an anguishing decision for him you know i don't think he has uh, a family that he has to worry about uprooting. So I think it's just one man here uh, and his drone going to make a decision that I think he's going to make the best baseball decision and the best financial decision. So I don't think it'll be the White Sox. Where do you think ultimately that he's going to end up going? This is without any real rumors to, to point you in one direction. Where do you think he's going to wind up? I just think he sounds like an angel. The Angels are a team that's spend money, a lot of money, but usually they spend it on the offensive side. And you say Shohei Atani, but he's not been a good pitcher for them. Of course, he had Tommy John, but with the bat, he's been good. Same thing with Pujols, same thing with Anthony Rendon. Now they need to spend money on the pitching side. To get him, a California guy, on their side would be a bonus. And they maybe can think about 
going to the playoffs sometime during Mike Trout's fabulous career. And I'm sure he's putting the pressure on the out there because it's too tragic to have the best player in baseball for years on end being locked out of the playoffs. So that's what I'm feeling that Artie Moreno and the folks over there with the angels are going to pull the trigger. There's a new GM, I believe out there, Billy Upler got fired out there in LA. So there's going to be some pressure on them to get to the playoffs eventually one of these years. And that starts with starting pitcher. They got a good deal last year with Dylan Bundy, picked him off, off the Orioles, get another guy to go with him. Yeah. I, I, Angels was my first blush reaction, but just thinking about it from a baseball perspective, I don't know if it makes a ton of sense for him because they, they've got a lot of work to do and you know, they, they would sacrifice a lot of depth by, by signing one guy. That's put, that's putting too many eggs, you, you know, all your eggs in one basket there for Trevor Bauer. So I don't know if he would go there because I don't know if he's got an immediate shot at winning. I, I think if he's going to take you know, uh, less money than he normally would have gotten in a, in a non-pandemic year, I think he would go to a place where he could win immediately. And I, I look at uh, a team like maybe the Dodgers creeping in. They've got more money than God. Uh, I think they, they would creep in and, you know, uh, give him that those same things you talked about, the California local vibe, but also a team that is already built to win. They're coming off a World Series title, and, you know, I have no reason to believe that they're not going to be right back there again. They've been in the playoffs every year from, you know, from as far back as I can remember. So I think that's a good option. Uh, Mets, I think, may be a good option because they're going to spend some money, and that would boost their Q rating a little bit, having someone like him uh, draw attention. Like all of a sudden, you know, the the New York newspapers would be focusing on the Mets a little bit more than the Yankees maybe. So uh, if I had to guess, gun to my head right now, I would say Dodgers just because they can and, you know, they, they want to, you know, be able to savor that World Series title in a shortened year. So why not uh, do everything they can to make another run at it? So, but yeah, man, that, that's Trevor Bauer for you. I, I'm enjoying it, Sox fans. Keep it up. But, you know, this Christmas when you're at the dinner table with your family and they're saying, what are you doing? It's like, don't worry about it. I'm making another meme for Trevor Bauer. Uh, so don't worry. You're doing God's work here, folks. So keep up the good work and keep up the bad work, too, to be honest with you. So of these bad ones i enjoy those as well so uh without any further ado should uh, should we open up the bag let's do it but before we do that herbie we are brought to you today by our friends at betonline.ag you guys ready for some football college football heads into bowl season and there's some big matchups this weekend nfl regular season's finishing up with the playoff picture becoming clearer and there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use our promo code LOCKED ON for your 50% welcome bonus. Herb, I know you're someone who's well versed in. In, uh, in 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 parlays and point spreads and everything else, and you're a guy who likes to dabble into the investing uh, of sports betting. So, what are some of the things that you're looking at maybe for this coming weekend? Well, uh, it's not this coming weekend. It's next coming weekend. It's the biggest games of the year. It's all led to this. And I know some people are not happy with the semifinals of the college football, but this is how it was going to be. You're not going to find a bigger name in college football than Notre Dame. Of course they're getting in. But they got to go against those Alabama Crimson Tide. And Bet Online AG has the line set right now at minus 19 and a half on Alabama. So if you want to win and folks who don't know, that means that if you start the game zero, zero, just imagine that Notre Dame has 19 and a half points to start the game. And from then on, whoever wins, wins the bet. So 
minus 19 and a half for Alabama to start the semifinal game that Saturday. And then Ohio State versus Clemson. Ohio State, the winners from the Big Ten, of course, didn't play enough games, but the Big Ten moved mountains to get them into this national semifinal. And Clemson, you just saw the mastery they had this past weekend versus Notre Dame when they had their starting quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, my cousin, by the way. Um, <laughs> he's not. Um, on behind center, dominating back there. So if you want to bet that game, negative seven and a half, Clemson minus seven and a half points to start the game. What do you think is your favorite points right there? Your favorite play right there? If I'm a betting man, I'm not going anywhere near that Notre Dame game because they're, they've shown you ability to beat Clemson and they've shown you ability to get housed by Clemson, even though they're playing Alabama, who is the number one team in the nation. I would rather go for that Ohio State uh, Clemson game and give me seven and a half. I'll lay those seven and a half points and go with Clemson. Yeah, I'm Danny Parkett's now. Absolutely. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. I'm a beginner. I'm new to this. So I'm going to rely on you heavily to walk me through this stuff here. But for, you can't do it unless you download the app first. And don't forget our promo code locked on to get 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. That's betonline.ag, promo code locked on. Welcome to our new friends at betonline.ag. And we're also brought to you today by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And somehow, someway, Built Bar has got funky fly flavors like every single day, including the brand new and improved flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. And of course, they've got the 12 OG flavors that you know and love so well. My personal favorite, German chocolate. I know you dig the peanut butter. They got mint brownie, toffee almond, coconut, peanut butter brownie. They're delicious because they are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They're not tough and grainy like some of those other protein bars that you may have had on the market. Built Bars are healthy. They're good for you. They're great if you're a health-conscious person on the go, good for trying to lose weight or maybe even maintain weight while still indulging in a delicious treat because they're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. And if you're doing the keto thing, forget about it. They're packed with protein, so they're great for keto. And right now, you can get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Act now, though. you got to go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar, it's the best-tasting protein bar ever. All right, we're back. Let's get that bag open, huh? Yep. Got a lot of emails. We're going to try to get to some. There's another email. I love email. Oh, Hawkeroo, I love email. And if you love email, if you love sending email, why not send us an email? And how can they send us an email, Herbie? Send it to LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Emails, comments, questions to LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. First email coming in hot here from our guy Joe Paduda. Here's my question, Joe writes. Almost all discussions about this or that player from all analysts focus mostly on offensive stats. Sure, war and similar all-inclusive metrics are usually mentioned, but I rarely hear any serious in-depth analysis on how player A's defensive abilities and metrics compare to player B. As an analytical guy, that strikes me as a big mess. For example, Eaton versus Engel. Um, you know, he's read a lot of columns about you know calling Adam Eaton gold glove caliber 
runs saved, put outs, nothing mentioned about those things. Uh, Lamont Pope's column, column, same thing. Vinny Dubert, ditto. Uh, help me out here. Why the lack of focus on defense? And B, how do the Adams compare defensively? Thanks, guys. While it's tough to get games as we live here in New Hampshire, I'll be at the G rate as soon as it opens. Well, thank you, Joe, for the email. And he says, cheers. Um, yeah, Herb, so do you, do you notice that too? When when people are talking about a player, they immediately will default to their offensive numbers first and knowing full well uh, that doesn't tell the full story, especially in 2020? Yeah, um, I just think it's, you know, most of the people who are at this level get to the level because of their offensive prowess. I mean, you can live with a bad right fielder or left fielder. We see Eloy. He wasn't going to get stopped because he was a bad fielder. Same thing with Timmy. Um, You can work on those things. They can get better. And um, no one, when Eloy goes to uh, his negotiation after he gets out of his White Sox country, no one's going to be like, "Mm, bad fielder. They're going to be kind of like that, but they're not like, they're not taking millions off. They'll be like, okay, cool. You can hit. Here's a couple dollars. Last year was Edwin Encarnacion coming in for one year, 12 million. You can't hit. I mean, you can't field anymore. You still got the real money. Same thing with Nelson Cruz, all that stuff. I don't think people put as much weight into defense is because I don't think they see it as mattering as much. Um, the tangible home run, the tangible double where you see a guy drove in there you can see his effect his is how he affects the game how he changes the game how his talents show on the field with defense sometimes the guy just doesn't get to a ball because he didn't take the right route or he's bad at tracking fly balls it's rare that you say okay that costs us an actual run like I could see that in 162 and then extrapolate that out like the defensive run save. I don't know how they do that. I don't know how they do uh, uh, like zone ratings and stuff like that. It's very complicated with offensive stats. It's digestible. Other people do the work for you. It's kind of makes sense with war and weighted runs created. Plus those make sense. It, it like correlates to what you see on the field kind of, but with, defense like i could see he could catch the ball but what is that different from next guy so i don't have that answer necessarily i know you've done some research a little bit on adam eaton and adam uh ingle and how the defense is a little different there but me i don't think i mean it matters but to me i will never ever not get a player because he can't play defense like the michael brantley talk about him going to right field and and George Springer not one to play right field. Sign him and see what happens. We'll see. We'll, <laughs> right. we'll suss it out when it when it happens. Yeah. So you know, in talking about Engel and Eaton and comparing those two guys defensively, we we know that Adam Eaton was a Gold Glove caliber right hand uh, right fielder when he was with the Sox in in his in his brief tenure. We knew he was rock solid out there, and just it's not just anecdotal. Like the numbers are there to prove it. But uh, Adam Eaton had a, a horrendous year. Uh, if you're looking at just outs above average, which is a metric that they use, uh, MLB Savant, Savant has those metrics all laid out for you. But Adam Eaton, uh, in terms of uh, of 40 right fielders uh, that qualified, Adam Eaton was 25th out of 40 right fielders in 2020 in terms of outs above average. Okay, so 
he was negative one uh, outs above average, okay? And guys uh, ahead of him, uh, Charlie Blackman, 23rd with zero. So if zero is like average, uh, Adam Eaton was below average. And Rick Hahn talked about it. We played the sound last week about how they believe that he's fine physically. You know, and this is one of those things where the, the, the margin of error is so slim because it was a 60-game season. You know, the the number one outfielder, I think, for uh, outs above average had, I think, th- three outs above average. So you're, you're talking about not a huge discrepancy there. Um, but if you look at 2019 Adam, uh, Adam Eaton, he was 14th, okay? So he had... In terms of outs above average, he had two outs above average uh, in the entire year in a full calendar year, a World Series winning year of 2019. So there was a significant drop off from 2019 to 2020. Rick Hahn seems to believe that those metrics will bounce back because he mentioned how his his sprint speed is still where it was when he was a White Sox. So he still has uh, top notch sprint speed out there. So he's still going to get to those balls. You know, maybe you know this is one of those things where we just have to take the 2020 numbers and 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 throw them out the window because one bad day in 2020 in the outfield, and you know maybe you're bringing your personal life out there with you, or you're bringing a bad at bat out there with you, and you misplay a ball, that's going to kill you in a shortened season. So I don't I don't really worry about Adam Engel's. We're going to do this all year. I don't really worry about Adam Eaton's outfield defense uh, in in that sense. I think he'll. He'll be what we've seen him be with our own eyes. So I, I wouldn't overthink this too much. But Adam Engel is still uh, a superior defensive player in right field, even with the shortened season. Adam Engel was was much better than Adam Eaton was. Uh, in 2020, it just in right field alone, Adam Engel had three outs above average. Okay, So he was one of the top-tier guys in all of baseball. So they're talking about strictly a guy in Adam Eaton who can give you the glove and also give you a solid, competent at-bat. So they, they liked his his combined tool set, but he did have a bad year last year. I, I wouldn't worry about it going forward because as long as he's healthy, he passed the, the physical. The Sox don't seem to be worried about it. Uh, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know why you don't hear people talk about it more often, especially with this White Sox lineup. We've said it time and time again. You know, you can sacrifice, you know, a, a developing bat like – Adam Engel out in right field because you know he's going to play all-world defense out there, and, and you can overcome maybe him having a bad week or two when you have those thumpers around him in the lineup. So that's why I don't even know why they went out and, and spent $7 million on, on Adam Eaton. Uh, you know, when and that money would have been much better served going elsewhere. Again, they're not done. Um, they're all quiet. You know, maybe we'll talk a little bit about their closer uh, vacancy now uh, in, in tomorrow's episode. But yeah, I don't, it doesn't. It's not a move that I don't think they had to go make. And I think that's what's so infuriating from White Sox fans is they went out there early and like, yo, we have to have Adam Eaton on our team right now. Um, and you know, everyone's crying poor. Just spending seven million bucks on Adam Eaton is still kind of a head scratcher. But it's a pretty solid platoon if that's what Tony Larusa decides to do with those guys. So, you know, I don't know if you have anything else on that, Herb, if you think uh, there's some red flags there with, with uh, Eaton or not, or do you think he'll rebound to, to what we know him to be out there as a, 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 a top-tier right fielder? Yeah, I think he'll uh, rebound. I remember when he was with the White Sox, the one thing that I was very impressed with, and I won't give Adam too many uh, plaudits, was his arm. People kept on trying to run on Adam Eaton, and he was telling them, I'm not the one, y'all. Keep on trying. You just keep on failing. So 
I hope that arm is still in good shape where it can be throwing people out, getting some good off-field assists because uh, we got a good one in center field. And if Adam Eaton can do his job in right field, catch the balls that are hit to him, not go all bonanza, bananas and diving and such, just catch the balls that are hit to you, make a couple good plays in the outfield, throw the balls to the cutoff man, all that good stuff. Our outfield defense which should be solid even though – Eloy's out there and left. So I'm good with him just being the guy that left Chicago. Nothing spectacular, just good defensive skills. I miss uh, that aesthetic in the outfield just from, uh, you know, just from a fan perspective, watching Melky in left and Adam Eaton in right, just throwing everyone out, even though Melky mm-hmm. would like often he, he misplay a ball. But once he got to the ball, uh, you mm-hmm. didn't have much of a chance out there. Like that, those were those were fun times just watching outfield play because it was always an adventure. And like you always worry about is, is Adam Eaton going to get himself hurt? Uh, then is Melky Cabrera going to like, you know, hurt someone else? Um, is he going to slip and fall? But if he got to that ball, you, you were your ass was out out there at second base. And I miss that that aesthetic. And we haven't seen that much with with Eloy with the arm. So, but yeah, thanks for the email. Uh, next one here from our guy Uncle Pete, who's always coming in hot uh, and and uh, finishing off the mail back here for Talk to Us Tuesday. Uncle Pete says this: Just got home from Christmas shopping in Lincoln Park. I must have seen eight milfs prancing around Walter E. Smith furniture. Uh, try walking around that store. Harder than Pittsburgh steel. I must have knocked over six lamps. Anyway, enough with the funny business. The Sox need to add another starter. If you were Slick Rick Hahn, who would you sign? Peace to the gods, Uncle Pete. I never know what Uncle Pete's going to come through with, but it's always entertaining. Um, but this is being the, the Trevor Bauer episode. Um, I've never been to a, to a Walter E. Smith, by the way. Um they make it, uh, you know, and build it. And uh, I know that one of the guys looks like George McCaskey. That's what I always think of when I when I see the Walter mm-hmm. E. Smith guys. But yeah, how about Uncle Pete here coming in hot on a Tuesday? Sorry, y'all. Uh, but yeah, that, oh, that, that, that's that's what he, that's what he's on. And by the way, uh, Uncle Pete's going to do just fine if he's doing Christmas shopping in, at, at Walter E. Smith Furniture. In Lincoln Park, yeah, too. Uncle Christ. Pete's doing pretty well for himself. <laughs> so, yeah, so basically, it's who would you sign if you were Rick Hahn? <laughs> Who's the one guy that 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 you would sign her if you had if you had a, you got a lot lot a lot of holes still? I mean, you don't really have the holes yet because Alex Colome hasn't signed anywhere else, but you got a hole at closer. Um, obviously, we talked about starting pitching. Um, you know, what, where would you put your your ducats not right now? If you were Rick Hahn, who's the one guy you'd go out and get? I think I already know who it is. I think we already talked about him. I mean, I would put it on John M. Smith Homemakers. Uh, <laughs> did I say it right? No, Walter E. John, Smith. No, no, jo- Johnny. What is it? The Homemakers. What was that one? Johnny Smith Homemakers. Oh, wow. You're really taking it back. Johnny Smith Homemakers. I don't even know it was John E. Smith. <laughs> I, I used to mess it up so much. I think it's John L. Smith. And I think the former coach at Michigan State was also John L. Smith. So I always John L. Smith sounds like a safety at Alabama. <laughs> that, that's going to go in the first round. <laughs> yeah, we already talked about it. It was, of course, Trevor Bauer. That would be the one guy that would round out your free agent pitching platform. I mean, that will be the only guy you'd sign. I know people are clamoring to get Q back. I love Q, but we're a championship window. Q is not the final piece. Q is a nice piece, 
but we I think on that back end you can get away with either Dylan Cease or Michael Kopech as the fifth starter on that team. And you don't need a veteran like you there. If you get Trevor Bauer, baby, you're cooking with gas. As Tanny said already, you would have the best pitching staff in the American League bar none, and then maybe even in the whole majors. And you would propel yourself from a AL Central contender to a AL title contender because now in the playoffs going against those four dudes, you're going to be having a tough time. Of course, the offense is already there. So, yeah, I would say Trevor Bauer makes his team go from a level where they're competing, they're going to have a good 2021, to where expectations are World Series at bust. Yeah, man, it's Trevor Bauer, Uncle Pete. That's that's all I can say. Like That's the one guy, because if you have an injury uh, in your pitching staff and, God forbid, someone's out for a month or two, one of your top-tier guys like Giolito or Keuchel, then you have some depth to 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 be able to to maintain that because you know one injury to the pitching staff if some guy's out for a year that could derail the whole season right there so you always want to make sure that you have depth at starting pitching and known commodity depth is always my favorite type of depth right there so and plus just for the content perspective I would love to see Trevor Bauer in a White Sox uniform on a short term deal I think that would benefit everyone I think it would be very enticing for a guy like him to come to the South Side. Don't think they'll do it, but that's the one guy that I would I would make the push for because I think you're you're solid. Like you you know you can overcome whatever offensive, you know if you have any any holes offensively, you can overcome that when you have a starting pitching staff like that. And the Sox don't have many holes offensively, so yeah, man, it would be Trevor Bauer. Uh, let's get and to- I just looked it up too. It's John N. Smith. John N. Smith. John M. Smith. Oh, makers. Dude. And who would you think would win? Him, Walter E. Smith, or Ethan Allen in a fight? Ooh, Ethan Allen seems a little too bougie mm-hmm. I mean, colonial. Um, yeah, I mean, do you get the 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 all Walter E. Smith brothers? Like all, you know, like is it is now they have their wives or or daughters in the commercials? I don't know if you've seen the latest Walter E. Smith. No. They changed it up. And really? Finally, give the lady some time. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Walter E. Smith is not no longer sexist. Well, I don't finally I, <laughs> jerks. I, it's well since since the other the the other one is not is there are they around the John M. Smith home? John M. Smith is gone. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Closed <laughs> after a hundred thirty year run in two thousand five. Then the White Sox won the World Series. Coincidence? <laughs> I think not. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So I'm going with Walter E. Smith right there. They're the top dog right there. So uh, let's get to socks in the city, shall we? Let's do it. But first, sports betting doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, you can get your daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. And a big, big welcome and thank you to betonline.ag for being part of the fam now here on the Locked On Podcast Network. But now, let's get to socks in the city. Hey, Dugan. Yeah. Can you sell my baseball? Sure. Yeah. Wow. Avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan. Wow. That's good advice. Socks in the city. If you missed this last episode, it's a, it's a new segment we're rolling out where people share their encounters with White Sox players, past and present, and they, they, they share stories about trying to get autographs uh you know in, in a restaurant uh, you know golf tournaments just on the street wherever it's socks in the city and this one comes in 
from we we this one I, I really enjoy whenever the name Larry Sheets uh, uh, get gets evoked. I, I enjoy this one. This one comes in from Brent Lithberg. Brent says this, hey guys, I'm an avid listener of the podcast and appreciate all the content that you guys have put out. Last night while painting my five-year-old daughter's room and listening to the recent episode, I heard you guys ask about sending in some stories about a first autograph story and I really wanted to share this. In 1987, I had the really lucky chance to get into the Baltimore Orioles clubhouse because they lived because we lived across the street from former big leaguer Jim Dwyer. I'm best friends with his son. He brought his son, me, and my dad into the clubhouse while they were in town to play the White Sox one series. The entire experience was surreal and not sure I really appreciated it at the time as a seven-year-old kid. But there are three vivid memories that I have from that day. One, seeing Cal Ripken Jr. walk by in nothing but a jockstrap and socks and still signing my 87 Tops card with a blue Sharpie. Eddie Murray, whose locker was right across from my buddy's dad, joking around with us by pretending he didn't want to sign our cards multiple times, but then doing it with the gigantic good-natured smile that he always seemed to have. And then Larry fucking Sheets dissed me for an autograph because he was in the middle of playing poker and smoking a cigar in the middle of the clubhouse. I never even had heard of the guy before going there that day, but I had the entire 1987 top set of the Orioles players and recognized that sweet, sweet mullet and impressive mustache. The fact that Larry Sheets said to an oblivious seven-year-old kid who was brought into the clubhouse by one of his teammates, can't you see that I'm busy while other teammates such as Cal effing Ripken and Eddie effing Murray made my experience so amazing, but it still pisses me off to this day, even as irrational as that is. This all came back to me after realizing the White Sox drafted his son, Gavin, in the 2017 draft, but I'm all in rooting for Gavin while he's in the system. I thought this was a funny story to share with you guys, even though it's a little challenging sharing a story through email. Thanks for all the efforts with the podcast. It really provides a great release for me when dealing with all the ups and downs of being a Sox fan. I share your passion. Take care, good luck, and go White Sox. That's from Brent Lithberg. Yeah, man, how about that? Larry Sheets, huh? Being a D-bag to our, to our guy Brent here as a youngster. Not good. Not good at all. I mean, that's gonna, and that definitely left a mark. I remember one time I was working early in my score days, and back in the day, producers used to get credentials to games, and so you go and learn how produce or host and uh, like a Bruce Levine or David Schuster would do their jobs by just sitting there stringing, um, just watching, and then going pregame try to book a guest. And BJ Serhoff was kind of dickish to all of us. Like looking at us, like, like what the hell are you guys doing in the clubhouse two hours before the game type of shit? You know, you get kicked out an hour before the game, but two hours is very reasonable. We weren't in his personal space. He was just mean mugging us the whole damn time until I just left uh, because I was like, I don't want to get beat up by BJ Serhoff because I was like in my early 20s. I think I could take him, but, you know, also I don't want to get whooped by a utility player for the Braves. Yeah, I, I, you know, one of the worst autograph experience I ever had was I was I was a youngster uh, down on the the third baseline at, at Comiskey back then, and you know Frank Thomas, you know, basically was and is Jesus Christ in baseball pants to me, uh, especially when you're a young kid following the Sox, like that's the dude right there. And he didn't come out a lot to sign because if a guy like Frank Thomas back in the early '90s came out to sign autographs, like the whole stadium would be there to try to get one, and then you'd end up. 
you know, pissing off more people than people whose days you end up making because it's just too many people. Like, you know, you can't sign forever. Now, you hear rumors about Cal Ripken, him and his, uh, his jockstrap there, uh, <laughs> stories about him staying after games and signing forever, especially at the tail end of his career when he was basically like a legend-like status. But I remember one day I was at the park, and I was right there. Like, I was camped out. My mom had taken me there real early, and I was right there, right on the rail, waiting for guys to come out. I think maybe I got Lyle Mouton's autograph that same day. I think I talked, you know, told that story before. But there was Frank Thomas, and he came down the third base line, and he was getting ready to sign. I had my pen, I had baseball, and I was ready to rock right there. And I was, here comes Big Frank. I just have to be patient. Don't be a, don't be a jerk, little kid. Don't be overzealous, and you have make sure you have the pen ready. And I had it locked and loaded right there. And then from behind me comes some guy in his 30s with a jersey and basically drapes it in front of my face, like over my body, and, and he got the signature, and I didn't. <laughs> but that's just one of those life lessons right there. Like, you ain't special. There's always someone that's worse that's, that's going to be a dick no matter what the situation. And uh, it, it took me years to get a Frank Thomas autograph. Uh, but I eventually got one uh, in a charity auction. Auction one of the uh, the White Sox charities auctions. My dad got it for me. So yeah, that was that was just not a good day right there. It was totally unfair. I couldn't have been, uh, you know, older than like maybe twelve or something like that. But yeah, here here comes this guy with a jersey draped right over me, covering my my husky uh, little body back then. So yeah, it sucks, man. It's like. It, you know, there's a lot of great guys that are good with autographs now, especially in the days of social media. I think players are better about it now. And also they have back when you could have fans at the game, if you youngsters remember that. But on family Sundays were always great uh, at Sox Park because they would have – here's designated guys. They put them up in, in, in the upper deck, like on the concourse, and they just sit them at a table. And you can just go walk up to the table, and it, the setting is for getting autographs. It's not getting a guy when he's trying to stretch or – or getting some long toss or whatever, it's designed strictly for autographs, and I, I, I commend the White Sox for doing stuff like that. So hopefully we don't have any more stories like our guy Brent here with, with Larry Sheets, with Gavin's dad. So that's uh, that does it for this uh, edition of Sox in the City. So if you have any bad autograph stories, a guy was a jerk to you, those are always my favorite. Uh, send them over to uh, our email, LockedOnSox at gmail.com. But I think that about does it for this edition of Talk to Us Tuesday. Uh, as we inch closer to Christmas here, Herbie, that's all I got. All right, that is Chris Tannehill. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Tannehill. Follow me, Herb Lawrence Ecknerwall23 at Twitter too. The show is at Locked On Socks on Twitter and Instagram, and we have a YouTube page you need to go to right now. Locked On Socks. Subscribe to it. Watch our Sean Evans interview. Our full our interview and we'll have much more videos to be put up in the next couple months and weeks. And Tanny even has a giveaway we're going to be having for our our famous, good locked on socks listener and a guy or girl who random at random will be chosen. Right. Chris Tannehill. Absolutely. I've got a locked on socks prize pack to give away. It's right now. It's looking like it's going to be a t-shirt a mug and stickers uh, to rep your your favorite baseball podcast, your favorite White Sox podcast, Locked on Sox. I'll send a prize pack out to you. Uh, we can't sell merch at this time, but we can give it to you for free. That sounds good to you. You don't have to pay for it. All you have to do is subscribe to our YouTube page. Just search Locked on White Sox on YouTube, and you'll find us right there. You'll see our ugly mugs and the very handsome Sean Evans, and you'll see some of our clips from episodes past. So, yeah, do that. I'll be doing the same 
randomly throughout the year in 2021 with people that give us a five-star rating on iTunes and people who give us a nice comment on iTunes as well. So to do the good thing that we that we need you to do and help you know support the podcast like you know we don't have any we're sponsored here luckily so we don't have to have you know the patreon thing where you have to pay for content right you just listen to ads and that's cool with us but if you want to support the podcast and you know help us with things like equipment that need to get upgraded those things come out of our pocket help us with that by getting uh, our signal boosted a little bit and the way you can do that is is tell a friend about the show five-star rating on iTunes, subscribe to it on whatever podcast apps you use. And, uh, and you know, sharing the videos doesn't hurt as well and subscribing on YouTube as well. But I'm going to pick a random YouTube subscriber uh, after we hit 1,000 subscribers because that's what you need for YouTube to monetize your videos. So that'll help us out too. But that's why we want to get 1,000 YouTube subscribers. So do that. Tell a friend to do that. And, you know, if you have never subscribed to anything on YouTube, it's easy. If you have a, a Gmail account, just find the page and click subscribe, and that's it. And it's, they don't bombard you with notifications. They'll tell you when we have a new video, which is uh, not a lot, you know, you know, once a week maybe. So, yeah, do that, and you could be on the receiving end of a Locked on White Sox prize package. But, uh, yeah, that, that that's all I got, Herbie. That is Chris Tannehill. I'm Herb Lawrence. Thank you for joining us today. On this Talk to Us Tuesday edition of Mailbag Monday on Locked On Socks.